Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, and it reads as follows. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the the world. Amen. Let's flip over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. Acts 2, 38 reads as follows. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray before we go on and look at these verses today. Dear God, thank you for gathering us here in your house on this uh, you know, nice and warm day. Hopefully everybody uh, stays cool and uh, doesn't get too burned out. But uh, right now we ask that you bless the congregation here, that we may receive your word and receive your message. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're into the baptism season. We have baptism once a year. We passed out the sign-up sheet. Hopefully some of you guys who haven't been baptized yet sign up on the sign-up sheet to get baptized. But I figure we ought to talk about baptism a little bit, right? Because it's something that we don't seem to talk very much about, even though it's one of the two ordinances that God has given us. There's only two, right? There's the Lord's Supper and there's baptism, right? And we get the Lord's Supper twice a year. You get detailed talking about it and all that stuff. At least twice a year, you get the full explanation of that. Baptism, for whatever reason, doesn't get the same emphasis, right? And this is not something unique to us, right? If you ever listen to, like, other speakers and messages and stuff like that, you listen to Christian radio and this and that, you don't hear that many messages about baptism, right? People kind of assume that, oh, you know, baptism, you just do it once, and if you did it, then it's over, right? But that's not necessarily the case, and that's not necessarily uh, uh, something that we should just assume. Because there's a lot to be learned, even for people who have already been baptized, that we can learn from baptism, and the reasons behind baptism, and what baptism is all about. It should be important, right? If there's only two ordinances, you figure it's got to be important, right? If it's one of two, one of these two important things. It shouldn't be something that, oh, we forget about. We don't think about. It's something that ought to be thought about, remembered. So look a little bit about it today. I think another reason I think it's important to talk about baptism at least a little bit is because so many people, you know, so many so-called Christians out there in the world, I don't think have ever really been baptized. Baptized in the true New Testament sense, following God's command of how to get baptized. There might be a lot of people who are saved, or a lot of people who claim to be Christians, right? But not everyone has gotten baptized or has gotten baptized correctly. That's why it's important to have this reminder every once in a while about what baptism really is and what it's all about. We see from these verses here that we just read that it's a command. It's a command. First read in Matthew. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. So Melvin talked about this a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, right? We talked about getting people saved, right? We talked about the Great Commission, God's great command to us about soul winning. But you notice it's not just get people saved, right? It's also get people baptized. That's how important baptism is to God, right? It's on the same level as salvation, right? It's not just, oh, get people saved. You want to make sure that people get baptized. That's God's command to us. And we saw in that verse we read from Acts, when we read Acts chapter 2, verse 38, 
We're reading what Peter said, right? When he's talking to the people that he was preaching to. What is his instruction, right? Is to repent first and do what? Baptize every one of you. And we know from that story, that's the story of Pentecost, right? That 3,000 were saved and 3,000 were baptized. There was a one-to-one correlation, right? The people that got saved also got baptized. So this is the way that God wants it. So that, for most people, should be good enough, right? To understand that, that it's God's command. Command to us to tell more people, hey, get baptized. Command to the people that are getting saved, hey, now it's time to get baptized. So we should understand that first and foremost. Now, what is baptism like? What is baptism like? I think hopefully most of you guys have seen one of our baptisms. If not, uh, give you the quick rundown. And of course, you guys are going to see it in a couple weeks anyway, so I won't go into too much detail on this, but at least to give you a bit of an overview, right? Baptism is basically a ceremony where a person is immersed or submerged in water, right? And you guys hopefully have seen it many times. We have a pool that we set up right in our uh, parking lot that you can see someone get dunked into water, right? Where does this idea come from about getting dunked in water? Well, we read in the Bible when it talks about baptism. We look at the source, the source materials. And this is something I don't do very often because I'm not very good at languages and stuff. You know, Nathan is the one that goes and studies all the foreign languages and learn the different words. But this one I figure is kind of important, so I'll tell you the, the little I know about Greek, right? If you look at the original Greek about baptism, the root word for baptism comes from this word called baptizo. Baptizo. Now that sounds really similar, right? It's very similar, right? Baptizo, in this original Greek, refers to something very specific, right? That word means to dip, to dip completely. To dip completely as to drown, to submerge, immerse, to dunk into water. It's a whole concept, right? A very complicated concept, right? It's not just a simple thing. It's not just like not the same as just saying dip, right? You can say dip. Eh, it could mean something. It could mean other things, right? It has a very specific kind of dipping. That's where this word comes from. This is how you would use it in the original Greek, right? And if you look in the Bible, all of the, uh, all of the biblical references to, uh, to uh, uh, this idea of baptism use that root word, baptizo, right? It may be baptismos, right? Or you know, there's other, uh, you know, derivations. Again, I'm not the language expert on this, right? But the idea is this. Whenever you see the word baptism in the Bible, it's referring to this Greek word. It's this Greek word, right? And the reason why the translators of the King James Bible, translators of all the other Bibles, decide to use this word baptism is not because baptism is a translation of baptizo. It's because baptism is a transliteration of baptizo. Because the word has such a specific meaning, they figure we can't think of any better word to describe it. We're just going to use the same word, right? It's kind of like, what is the Spanish word for burrito? It's burrito, right? What's the American word for burrito? It's burrito. That's how you say it in English. Does burrito have any English meaning? No, what we're really talking about when we say burrito is that, oh, it's this wrap and it has like beans and rice and all this other kind of stuff. But it'd be so long for us to say all that stuff, right? It's easier just to say, oh, burrito. It means the same thing as it does in Spanish, right? It's this thing you eat, we know what it is, right? 
they use the word baptism in the Bible the same way. It doesn't just mean any kind of thing. It means a specific thing that they taught, did back in Bible times, right? This whole, this whole thing about getting into the water, getting dunked in the water, being immersed, dipped in there like that. All this idea, all this concept, that is baptism. And that's why we use that word, right? That meaning is so specific. It has to be. So when you hear other people saying, oh, baptism, it means like sprinkling water. Nope, that's not what this word means at all. Oh, baptism, you can do it by pouring water. Nope, that goes against the literal transliteration, translation of the Bible. That's why we practice the, the baptism by immersion, because that's exactly what the Bible teaches. If you look at the original text, right? That's what it says. That's what it does. And that's what the New Testament teaches. If you look at all the New Testament examples of how people were baptized, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. We see John the Baptist, one of the most famous people that baptized others. Where did he baptize? He baptized in the Jordan River. Let's be honest, folks. If you needed to baptize people and you went to the river, how much water is in the river? There's a lot of water there, right? You're not going to the river to get a few sprinkles, to sprinkle water on people, right? You're not doing that, right? You're not going to the, to the river just so I can pour a little bit of water on you, right? Or dab it on your forehead or whatever. You're going there because you need that much water to do the baptism, right? So obviously when John the Baptist baptized, baptized in the water. People got in the water. They got fully wet, right? And when Jesus got baptized by Don, John the Baptist, what did it say in Matthew 3.16? In Matthew 3, 16, it says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water. Let's do a logical exercise here. If Jesus got out of the water, you know that at some point it meant that he went into the water. Right? You can't get out of the water without first going in. Baptism requires going into the water. That's the way Jesus did it. Furthermore, Here's just one more example of many other examples. Look in Acts chapter 8, the famous story of the Ethiopian eunuch. When the Ethiopian eunuch got baptized by Philip, what did it say afterwards when they're done? In Acts chapter 8, verse 39, it says, And when they were come up out of the water. Once again, out of the water. Again, how you get out of the water? You first have to go into the water. People don't go into the water to get sprinkled. They don't go into the water to get poured on. They don't go into the water to get dabbed. They get into the water to be baptized, to be immersed, to be, to be exactly what the Bible teaches, what it says. Final point on baptism about generally that we've, uh, that probably we said again many times in the coming weeks that uh, hopefully we all know that baptism is not required for salvation. It's not required for salvation. Baptism is something done by people who are already saved, right? You get saved, and then you get baptized. That's the order of things, right? The relationship between baptism and salvation is the same as the relationship between obedience and salvation, right? After you get saved, God wants you to obey. So baptism is important for us because it talks about this related idea of obedience. So hopefully, and I know that most of you guys here are baptized already, right? Again, if you aren't baptized, we want you to get baptized. But all people here, baptized or not, we also know that baptism is important because it has to deal with obedience. And obedience is important to God, right? So we'll talk about both of these issues today a little bit more. 
Baptism demonstrates an obedient heart. It's the first thing God asks us to do. Again, we saw in those, Bi- those Bible stories, like at Pentecost. After he got saved, the first thing he did, got baptized. We just talked about the Ethiopian eunuch a minute ago, right? He got saved. What do you want to do right away? Get baptized. It's the first instruction. It's the first test of our obedience. And God wants us to be obedient. It's so significant if you think about it in terms of where it began, where it originated in the Bible times, right? Back in the Bible days, what did it mean to get baptized? It was a much bigger deal than it is for us today. In the Bible times, you remember though, back when Peter was preaching at Pentecost, back in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, all these people back then, thousands of years ago, what was the significance? Well, it was significant because you were publicly declaring your faith in Christ, and at the same time, you're putting a target on your back. Remember, at that time, Christians were not, you know, well looked upon by the Jews, right? The Jews were the ones that killed Jesus Christ, that persecuted the disciples, right? That, 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 uh, that conspired to help get disciples arrested, killed even, right? If you're going to go out there and publicly show everybody you're with them, you're getting baptized, you're clearly following these guys, you just put a target on your back. But this is how much obedience meant to them. I will obey God. I will get baptized with the threat of, hey, now I put a target on my back, right? Now people know, oh, you know, I could be a subject of persecution. They all know I believe in Jesus now, right? I could get persecuted. It was significant in Bible times for one other reason that we don't think about because it doesn't apply to us much today. But... Those of you guys who have Jewish friends, if you know anything about the Jewish religion, right? Everyone back then, most people in that area, they were Jews, right? If you guys know anything about the Jewish religion, if you want to join the Jewish religion, what do you have to do? So you might ask your friends, well, what do you do if you join the Jewish religion? I'm not an expert, right? But this is my general understanding. My general understanding is there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through, right? Not anyone can just say tomorrow, you know, I'm going to become a Jew, right? No, they'll be like, no, if you're not born a Jew, you can't just say, I decide tomorrow I'm going to become a Jew. There's be a whole bunch of stuff you have to do. There's a laundry list of ceremonies and rituals and this, that, and the other thing that you have to do. And only then will the Jews accept you into their community, right? Say, okay, you've done all the stuff, now we accept you. Jews themselves don't have to do it because they're born into it, right? Well, imagine you're a Jew, and now you believe in Jesus. And he tells you, you have to be baptized, right? That's what the message is. You believe and be baptized. Well, this is something totally different, totally foreign, right? Before all this time, you were the one that's telling people, hey, you got to do the ritual, you got to do the ceremony, you got to do this, or else you're not part of the crew, right? Well, now it's a Jew's turn. They had to humble themselves and say, okay, this is something I have to do because I want to obey God, right? It takes humility. And the lesson here is not just for people getting baptized, of course. It's for all of us when we obey God. It's a lesson of humility. That's why it's still significant today. Baptism today, also today, demonstrates our obedience, right? In the same way it did back then. But it also demonstrates our humility, our willingness to submit ourselves to Jesus Christ. It's a physical act. It's a showing act 
to say, hey, this is how I choose to live my life. My life is an obedience to God. That's important, right? Because we know, baptized or not, it's important for all of us to obey God. Baptism is important for another reason, too. Baptism teaches Jesus to others. It teaches Jesus to others. Right? And I'm sure Nathan or Melvin will talk in detail about this later, about the significance of why people get baptism, baptized, the symbolism. And uh, the short five-second version is that baptism symbolizes, by going under the water, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is there so much symbolism in all this stuff? Because God had it all planned out. God uses symbolism to teach people, to teach people about Jesus. Think about the other ordinance. The other ordinance we have is the Lord's Supper. Why do we have cracker? Why do we have the grape juice? Why do we have it? Imagine if you were some stranger that walked into this church on the day we had the Lord's Supper. You would ask me, or you'd ask someone else, say, what are you guys doing? Why are you guys having this cracker thing? Why are you guys having this grape juice thing? Well, guess what? When they ask that question, you have to explain it, don't you? And what are you explaining when you're explaining it? You're explaining who is Jesus and what Jesus did, right? Oh, we have to have this cracker because this represents Jesus' body that was broken for us. He died on the cross for our sins. We have this grape juice because it represents blood, the blood of Jesus who died on the cross to take away our sins. Just like that, just from that symbolism, you've shared the gospel with someone. How powerful is that symbolism? Same thing. If you came in to church on September 24th, you've never been a Christian before in your life, never been to church in your life before, you would see this and you would think it's totally weird. What are you guys doing in the swimming pool? You ask someone, what are you guys doing? Why are you out there in the water doing all this stuff? Well, then you're forced to answer, right? And what is your answer? Your answer is that, oh, well, they're dumping him in the water and taking him out. Oh, they dump him in the water because it symbolizes uh, when Jesus died and was resurrected. Ah! Now you're talking about the resurrection, aren't you? You're not just talking about baptism, right? You're talking about the resurrection. You're sharing what the resurrection is. Baptism is important because it reinforces for everybody the message of salvation, the message of Jesus. How important was it? Jesus himself recognized that. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 50. I put this verse here for you. Jesus is talking here. He's talking to the disciples in this verse. He's trying to explain to them what's coming up next in his life. What does he say? This is about the time when he's getting ready for his coming sacrifice on the cross. What does he say? He says, but I have a baptism to be baptized with and how I am straightened till it be accomplished. Jesus could have said a lot of things there. He could have said, I've got a crucifixion coming up, right? I've got dying on the cross coming up. I've got a resurrection coming up. He didn't say that to his disciples. What does he say? I have a baptism coming up. He wants the symbolism to be so important that even then, maybe when people didn't even understand it when he said it, that he wanted that to be clear. Baptism was that important to Jesus. That he wanted the symbol to continue. That he even used the symbolism to talk about his death, burial, and resurrection. His actual death, burial, and resurrection. How much more so important is it to us when we do it just symbolically to remember that? You see, I think a lot of the problems that come in the church today might be, might be, my speculation, that 
people don't get baptized. There's, as I said from the outset, there's so many people in the world today that haven't been baptized the correct way, that haven't had a true believer's baptism. And it might be the reason why there's so many problems in the church today because people don't obey. They don't have that heart of obedience. They don't take seriously, importantly, what Jesus says about baptism. If they don't obey the first command, how likely is it that they're going to obey the second command and the third command and the fourth command? When we examine our lives and how we are trying our best to follow God, have we done even that first thing? Baptism reveals so much, and that's why we take the time even today to study it, right? Even for those people that have already been baptized. We can learn from this. Because the same reasons why people don't get baptized are the same reasons why people don't follow God. I came up with five reasons why don't people get baptized. And they're the same five reasons that people don't obey God. Number one, people don't get baptized because they are ignorant. They don't know they need to get baptized. This is true. You guys know that there's people like this. Best example, there's a lot of people at church like this. They're called kids, right? The kids upstairs, they're saved, right? They're saved, but they are not baptized. Why? We haven't taught them about baptism yet. They don't know what baptism is. How can you expect them to get baptized? That might be actually a good excuse, right? They're ignorant. I don't know. What is this baptism thing, right? Those kids upstairs, they might be saved. Those kids in the middle school room, right? The middle school, they haven't been baptized yet. We only baptize high schoolers, right? We haven't talked about it. We haven't learned, taught them yet, right? They have an excuse. We didn't know, right? So maybe there's some people in the world that don't know. But after today, nobody in this room can say, I don't know, right? Hopefully I did a good enough job that you guys know what is baptized, baptism, why you need to get baptized, right? So number one reason people don't get baptized is because they're ignorant. It's the same reason why people don't follow God, people don't obey God. Sometimes they don't know, right? Why did you do the sin? Why do you know it was a sin, right? How many people do you know that, 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 that are like that? There's people I know that, for example, Christians, right? They go and they drink alcohol all they want, right? They say, well, it's not, again, I, I, that's, that's not, it's not in the Ten Commandments, right? Which is don't drink alcohol. But they don't know. They don't know the rest of the Bible, all the verses that talk about how bad it is, how we ought not to do it. They were ignorant, right? They just assume, oh, it's fine. I never heard it. Therefore, it must be okay, right? No, no, no. We ought not to be ignorant when we obey the Lord. The second reason why people might not get baptized. The person is prideful. Prideful. What does this mean? The idea being this, that you've been so entrenched in your, in your, in your way of not getting baptized for maybe, maybe years, right? Maybe it's been years. Someone asks you to get baptized. Every single year they ask you, are you going to get baptized? Are you going to get baptized? And you don't. Now you're entrenched in this, that you feel that if all of a sudden you change your mind, right? and you got baptized, you'd have to admit you're wrong, right? Oh, so for 10 years, they've been telling you to get baptized. Melvin asking you, oh, we can get baptized or whatever, right? And you keep saying no every year, right? Now all of a sudden, you have to say in your mind and say, I'm gonna get baptized, and uh, oh, it's, you'd feel like, oh, so humbled, right? That's why some people don't wanna do it, right? They would say, oh, I would feel so embarrassed about doing that, I'd rather not feel embarrassed, and I keep on just not getting baptized. This is actually true. I've seen this in my life. One of my cousins, one of my cousins, he went to church for so many years, right? Many, many years. He went to church. He led the youth group, and uh, 
you know, taught other kids at church, his church and stuff. But we were all surprised one day when one day he said, you know, Norman, I want to invite you to my church this week because I'm going to get baptized, right? And everyone was kind of surprised. Like, whoa, he, we all assumed that he'd been baptized all these years, right? And so the day he got baptized, you know, he actually explained when he gave a little testimony before his baptism. He was saying, you know, like, yeah, like everyone always assumed I got baptized all these years, right? Because they assume because I'm leading the youth group and I'm, I'm teaching the kids and all that stuff. But, you know, actually, I just never did it. And then I just kind of felt so awkward about not doing it, right? But, you know, at some point he decided, well, I just got to do it, right? And, yeah, it was kind of awkward, right? Everyone did think for a second, like, oh, oh, that's kind of weird, right? This guy, he's been going to church so many years. Like, oh, we're going to baptize now, right? But we shouldn't let that be a reason to deter us. Just like eventually it didn't defer my, deter my cousin. He said, you know what? It's more important to obey. It's more important to obey than to have my pride hurt. And so it goes with so many other things in our lives. We're talking about being obedient to God, right? How many times are we stubborn? How many times do we not want to admit we are wrong? Do we make excuses in our heart? I can do this, God, because, oh, it's only one time. I can do this sin. I don't need to follow you this time. It's okay, you know. You know I don't need to go to church this week because, you know, it's final exam, right? It's just one time. It's a, there should be an exemption for me, right? And then you, if you change, if you were to change your heart later on in life, you'd be humbling yourself, saying that, admitting you're wrong, right? Saying, oh, actually, all those times I made that excuse, it was the wrong thing. It's that kind of excuse making that makes us worse Christians. And that excuse make, making starts when we are at the very beginning with baptism, right? Are we making excuses about baptism? That means we might make excuses on other things too. We need to humble ourselves, humble ourselves to you know, swallow our pride and get baptized. Third reason why people don't get baptized, people are indifferent, right? They don't have the heart for it. They say, oh yeah, baptism's good. I heard about it. I know about it. I'm not against it. I just don't have time. People that have that heart, I don't have time. It's not convenient. People have that heart, they'll never do it because it's already set in their heart on the grand scale of things. Where is it? It's so low that they're always going to find other things to put on top of it, right? Oh, I just got my uh, hair done on Saturday. Oh, I can't get baptized that week, right? Oh, I'm going out after church that Sunday. Oh, I have to go meet up with people. I can't get baptized. I'll be all wet and everything like that. It's not convenient, right? If that's the excuse, it's always not going to be inconvenient. People always find things, right, when they make it a low priority. We have to prioritize it higher and not be it to make excuses out of it. Otherwise, again, it's going to be the same thing as we just said a second ago. You're going to prioritize all of God's things, God's things lower and find other things. It becomes not important, right? If you can't do the first thing, you can't do the simple thing. Baptism is only a one-time thing. Do this once and you're done. Imagine the person that says, I can't even do this one time in my life thing. Are they going to be able to say, oh, to submit themselves to obey God when it comes to say, pray every day. That's not a one-time thing. That's an everyday thing. Or are they going to be the type of person that says, oh, well, I like praying and praying is good, but I'll do it when it's convenient. I'll pray this day, but not these days or that day. Oh, reading the Bible is great, but it's so hard to read and everything like that. Oh, it takes so long. I'll do it another time. I'll do it later. They wind up not obeying. It's a sign. It's so related, I think, that the people 
that don't obey when it comes to baptism, don't obey when it comes to everything else. They are so indifferent to baptism, they're indifferent to everything else. They don't care. They don't care, and that's a bad thing. Next point. People don't get baptized because they are defiant, right? They're defiant. They outright refuse. They don't want to get baptized, right? You tell them about it, you teach them about it, they know about it. They say, no way, that's not for me. Why is that? I think the reason is this. It's because they know in their heart they have some kind of sin, that they're ashamed to get baptized, that there's some hypocrisy in their life that makes them defy. They don't want to go and testify in front of everyone, yes, I believe in Jesus, when they feel that they themselves aren't up to that level. They aren't, quote, worthy, right? Oh, I'm a sinner. I do all these things wrong. I still lie, cheat, and steal, right? How can I go in front of everybody and proclaim, I'm a Christian? I am a Christian. They think they require some special thing. But here's the thing. We're all sinners. We all fall short, right? There's no one here that can say, I never sin. I never do stuff wrong. Again, this goes back to the whole first point we made about baptism being a humbling experience. We have to humble ourselves and be willing to say, hey, even though I'm a sinner, I got saved, right? To put away that sin in my life, right? To place it on Jesus Christ, that's why I'm getting baptized. That's what I'm showing you. Likewise, we have that sin in our life. We want to get out of our life. Guess what? It's still part of us. We want to obey, even though it feels bad, even though we, it means admitting that we were doing something wrong. We put ourselves on the right footing. Final point, as our time runs short. People don't get baptized, and this is the obvious one that doesn't require any explanation, because they're not really saved, right? And hopefully that does not apply to anybody here in this audience, that you are not really saved, that you're just, quote, faking it, right? That you're just here for whatever reason, but, you know, in your heart, you haven't really accepted Christ as your Savior. If not, please accept Christ as your Savior. Please get baptized. You know, there's so much confusion about baptism today. We talked about at the outset, people saying, oh, you know, sometimes you get poured on, sometimes you get sprinkled. There's some people, like the Quakers, that believe you don't need baptism at all. There's other people, like the Mormons, that believe that you can get baptized after you die. There's people like the Catholics that believe that you get baptized when you're a baby. There's so much stuff there. Why is it like that? It's because it's so fundamental. That's why Satan is attacking baptism. It's supposed to be simple. I explained it right at the start. It's such a simple thing, right? You obey God, you get dunked in the water, you come out. It's a great symbolism, right? Instead, we have so many different thoughts that people get so confused, that could be another reason why people want to do it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't know how to figure it out. People have told me so many different things about baptism. I don't want to do it. And that gets them on the step of the wrong path. You disobey from the beginning, you disobey in the future. We want to make sure that we put our Christian lives on the right path toward obeying God on the first thing and in all things. Here's a quote here from Max Lucado. What does he say? Baptism is the initial step of the faithful heart. If we're stepping on the road and the right path, we'll keep on going down that path. May God help us do that. And for anyone here who hasn't been baptized, please, I hope that you signed up on that list and that we'll see you out there on September 24th. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for giving us the ordinance of baptism. It is so beautiful. It has so many lessons for us. Even as people who've already been baptized, I still learned so much when I was studying, getting ready for this message today about how it teaches us so much about 
Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, about how it teaches us so much about obedience, about how we ought to obey you in the first thing and in all things. Lord, help this congregation here to be obedient in you, whether it becomes, whether it's for baptism or it's, whether it's for anything else. Lord, please uh, watch over this Chinese school season as we're getting more people saved, hopefully more people baptized, but also this baptism season that on the 24th we have a wonderful, a great showing of people ready, willing to profess Christ publicly. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.